I'm Craig Fisher, and this is Inside Talent, where we take you into the minds behind the scenes and show you some of the coolest tools and best practices of some of the coolest people in the talent industry. Hi, this is Craig Fisher, your Inside Talent podcast host, and we are back after taking off a few short weeks uh, post-TalentNet. We hosted the TalentNet conference on July 17th. And just a couple of days before that, I spoke with local talent leader from Dallas, Rhonda Merchant, who works for BNSF Logistics. And we had a pretty interesting conversation. Hope you like it. Okay, it's Craig Fisher, Inside Talent, Talent Net, here with Rhonda Merchant. Rhonda, how have you been? Tell me what's going on with you. Hi, Craig. I've been doing really good. Lots going on, right? I'm still kind of hunkered down with everything and um, Texas numbers growing, but um, everything's good. I'm healthy. I'm happy. I'm safe. Can't complain. Can't complain at all about that. <laughs> Rhonda, <laughs> Rhonda is a uh, longtime TalentNet uh, participant and speaker and uh, all around great person to know in the Dallas area if you're in HR and recruiting. So Rhonda, you started a new job a little over a year ago. Kind of tell us a little bit about that and and what's going on there. Sure. So I am currently the Senior Director of Talent Management with BNSF Logistics. So BNSF Logistics is a third-party logistics organization, not to be um, misconstrued with the railway. Um, That's our sister company. But um, in that role, I manage all things talent management. And so that includes... um, talent acquisition, that includes employment branding, learning and development, change management, and I also manage um, specific organizational programs such as onboarding and um, I'm helping to build our affinity groups. So uh, it's all logistics though, right? I mean, with the railway and everything. That's right, exactly. Yeah, okay. Um, So a couple of things, uh, you and I kind of talked about this uh, a couple of weeks back. Uh, but uh, the the world has changed a little bit since we did that. Things have calmed down a bit, but there was at that time a lot of uh, racial tension. Uh, there still is, of course. Uh, Donald Trump uh, did a rally from Tulsa, Oklahoma, my hometown. Um, you know, lots of lots of weird things going on. Um, but you know, things that are probably uh, in lots of ways good and need to happen. And we discussed the fact that, uh, so, you know, I try to uh, be aware of, you know, what's going on uh, with certainly uh, diversity and uh, belonging and equality in in HR, in uh, programming recruitment conferences like TalentNet. Um, But, you know, even though I'm a card carrying Cherokee Indian, I get told that I'm, I present too white to have that sort of opinion that I am uh, aware of things. And so let's say I'm not, let's say I'm not enlightened at all. Uh, tell me, you know, kind of what do I need to know? What am I doing? Um, n- not enough of how can I help? What, what, what should I be thinking? Well, I think you're starting Craig at the right place. So we're going to assume that you're not you because obviously you are aware and you've been doing things for years to help bring awareness um, through your conferences. Um, just 
side note there, I've been impressed when we talked about this with the type of paper, the content that you're not afraid to discuss. And so um, I, if there were more people doing what you're doing, having those difficult conversations, bringing in people with a different perspective and really embracing differences, then we, as, as a society, we wouldn't be in the place that we are today. And so it's just that it is opening up oneself to look at things from a different lens. And just because your perspective, um, your life, you may not encounter some of the things that are going on that we're hearing um, that many of us are experiencing, but it doesn't mean it's not happening and it doesn't mean that it's not real. And so I would encourage anyone make connections, you know, reach outside of your comfort zone, because in many cases, we're more comfortable around those that look like us, that have similar lifestyles. And so it forces us to stay in our little box and that's what's not helping. So reach out, build those connections, um, you know, reach out to individuals that you know, to people that you don't know, ask the question, and then just really engage in thoughtful conversation to really understand and have empathy for, um, what's going on in someone else's world. Yeah, and so speaking of thoughtful conversation, I mean, I'm glad you're, you're here to talk about this with me today. Um, it doesn't look like you're going to be available to be with us on Friday, uh, but we are hosting the TalentNet event from 1 to 5 p.m. on Friday, mm -hmm. and uh, people can register by going to talentnetlive.com. And because you're watching this right now, uh, you can get a special discount of half off if you use code HALF to register. That's H-A-L-F. But uh, we're going to have lots of uh, equality content and diversity content uh, happening on Friday. And one of the things we're going to be talking about uh, with Ian Moses uh, from Allegis is bias. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we're also going to have Torn Ellis kicking off our conference uh, for the first hour with Straight Talk from Torn, which will be fiery, uh, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> if you've not seen Torin, you have to see him. He Once you experience Torin, because that's what he is, he's an experience, you'll never forget him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a fact. And so uh, in, in thinking about bias, um, I know that we've all experienced it in one way or another, um, and we all are biased, no matter how much we try not to be. And there's not really a way around that, but we can work to be better. But have you experienced bias as a woman in HR? And how is that sort of, uh, you know, presented in life for you? Yes. So I've experienced bias my entire life. So it going through, you know, grade school, college, work. Um, it's And it's very interesting. It's very subtle um, in many cases and some, sadly, it's not. But um, bias can come in all different shapes, sizes, forms. Um, as someone that's been in talent acquisition for the last 20 years, um, I have found myself in the middle of situations with hiring managers in which bias is leading their judgment, or I guess I should say clouding their judgment. And so um, I've had to have those difficult conversations to ask them, okay, so what is it, you know, why is this candidate not the best candidate? And you hear different things from not the level of energy that we're looking for, or, you know, hiding behind the cultural fit type of 
broad statement. So what is that? So then <clears throat> what is the culture and how is this person um, someone that you think can't fit within this culture? And so, um, again, biases, they're out there. And, and one thing that I try to do um, with the people that I interact with is coach them against that, make them dig deeper in, okay, so not everyone's going to be a fit, but why? You know, give me more than just, you know, they, their energy isn't where you need it to be or, you know, again, hiding behind culture. And so, um, you know, for me personally, I've experienced it from the standpoint of, oh, you know, you're very well spoken, you know, or just different, there's different um, tad bits of compliments, I think. <laughs> People, um, they kind of camouflage it in a compliment when you really pull back the layer, it's not at all. I don't know if you've seen the uh, recent PNG commercial, but there's a mom combing her daughter's hair and it's after American commercial. And she's talking about the little girl comes home and says that, you know, someone told her that she was pretty for a black girl. And so you could, yes, you could see in her face that if she was, I don't know, little girl's probably 10 and she didn't really know that that wasn't a compliment, but then it, you're pretty, right? It's kind of what you hear. And her mom told her, don't ever take that. That is not a compliment. You're, you're pretty, period. You're beautiful. And it has nothing to do with the color of your skin. And so sadly, when I watch that commercial, it like takes me back to even being that age, because as I mentioned, um, you know, we kind of, um, as African-Americans growing up in an area, I'm from Texas, um, from Fort Worth. And so, you know, in the South, it's, there's a lot of great things about the South. And then there are a lot of things about the South that um, we need to catch up with where others are. Um, from an inclusion standpoint. And so, um, you know, it, it's definitely out there, but it kind of goes back to our original conversation. The more people talk, the more people get out of their comfort zone, the more people get to know that in general, African-American people aren't necessarily bouncing off walls. We can't, you know, in interview settings, we are professional. We want to come across as competent and, and professional. And that's what we're thinking. You know, we don't necessarily... Um, we aren't able to make that connection like some of our white peers are because they are more comfortable. Um, it's just, sadly, the system is kind of designed that way. And so again, just reinforcing that narrative that, you know, not necessarily calling it a bias, but calling people out for, for their biases. So you felt like uh, in the past in interview situations that you can't be completely transparent. You can't just completely be yourself. You're guarded and you have to sort of act a certain way, uh, you know, in order to just um, sort of pass the test. Mm -hmm. yeah. Correct. Correct. And it goes far back. It, you know, <clears throat> resumes, right? Like I've had friends and, you know, something that we've talked about, like it, your, your name can is a bias. And so people can look at your name and say, hmm, you know, I don't think, I think I'm going to pass over this person. So I know people, I've known people that have, you know, used their middle name or use an, an abbreviated, abbreviated portion of their name just to not have their full name on display because they're trying to get over that initial hump of a recruiter potentially not inviting them to party because they can already identify that they're a person of color. Mm -hmm. um, also on the phone. So um, 
funny, I saw this meme somewhere and I, I laugh when I see certain things because it's like, wow, that's so true. But you have your day voice, kind of your work voice, and then you have your at home voice. And for many of us, our day voice and work voice has always been a bit higher pitched, a bit has a bit more energy to it. Mm -hmm. because and that's what we were told that we had to, to be. We had to conform to what's comfortable. And so, um, yeah, it, it, it goes deep. And um, I think, you know, as we even start to peel back the layers, there's so much there that, um, you know, we still um, struggle with. Now, the nice thing in 2020 is that now we are having these broader conversations. It's not just conversations at home at our kitchen table. And so, um, you know, I do think that this is the start of being able to um, get past some of those um, biases and just some of the, the history that has plagued our country. You know, uh, I go by my middle name, Rhonda. My first name is, uh, is William, and it has nothing to do with uh, the color of my skin or being, <laughs> being taken as the wrong thing. It's that there's too many Williams. That's the problem. William yes. Pinkup, no offense, buddy. Uh, but it's also a burden, right? I mean, even in class, uh, when you're growing up, uh, anywhere you're signing documents, like there's there's big problems with having to change sort of who you are in order to not be seen as X, Y, or Z. Okay. Um, and man, what a hassle it's been for my whole life. <laughs> so, um, uh the thinking uh, here, I, I think, um, for this purpose of this conversation is, I think uh, people are labeled and sort of pigeonholed uh, because of stereotypes. Um, we've got a session uh, coming up at uh, TalentNet on Friday with Jackie Clayton and Kim Jones. And they're going to be talking about, so everything at this talent net has a superhero theme. Uh, and they're going to be talking about building your Cerebro to find and communicate with tech talent. And Cerebro is the thing that Professor Xavier wears in order to find all the mutants in the world and communicate with them. So it's going to be a technical talk. It's going to be a sourcing talk. And uh, do you think uh, that most people think of black women as uh, badass sorcerers and uh, technical recruiters? Ooh, that's a good question. So I, I don't think that we're thought of in that as a, you know, like, oh, you know, we are the top technical recruiting. But I do think that black women um, in just the field of talent acquisition, we are thought of as badasses, mm -hmm. you know. So uh, for sure, um, you know, when you think of technology, I think you still think of, you know, more men oriented um, type of function, but we are definitely um, moving into that space. And so there are definitely many um, amazing um, black women out there that um, are just knocking down barriers and just just doing it. Right. So um, I think that, that session sounds phenomenal. You know, uh, I think it will be. I'm really excited about it uh, myself. These ladies are uh, dynamic and really good at their jobs. Um, there's going to be lots more interesting stuff uh, happening on that day. But what's your future look like over the next few weeks? What are you seeing, um, you know, coming uh, into another wave of spikes of COVID? Uh, what's work going to look like in the near future? What are you seeing? 
Well, I think for many of us, it's balancing home and work. And I, I think we're just going to be continuing to do that. Now, you know, we're receiving the surveys about returning to school and if we're comfortable with that. And it's just so hard to even think about that. And we're in the middle of every day having more numbers than the day before. You know, it earlier this summer, things had slowed down a little bit and now it's ramped back up. And so I think for many of us, especially women, because a lot of that um, falls on us, you know, we are caregivers at home and we're still at home doing our day jobs. And so I don't see that changing, quite honestly, over the next few weeks and even the next few months. Um, and I see us uh, one thing that, you know, we, we're resilient, right? We can do a million and one things at any given time. And so um, I'm, I'm seeing that come into action now and I'm seeing why God made us this way. <laughs> so wow. I think, just, you know, it's just going to continue to try to just navigate this world of COVID. And sadly, it doesn't appear that it's going to be going away anytime soon. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think all the memes get it right uh, that, you know, on one hand, we we are inconvenienced and on the other hand, we're scared. And, um, you know, somewhere in the middle is uh, where we um, all sort of end up, I think. Uh, we all want our kids to go back to school, uh, but we're all, you know, terrified of what would be in store for the teachers and for the kids as well. And then, you know, the other thing is, uh, I think um, with work, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of companies saying that they're not going back to the office this year at all. Uh, I'm doing some work with uh, Cisco Meraki um, out in the Bay Area, and they said when they do go back in 2021, uh, they're going to have choice uh, whether to go into the office or not. Um do you think we're going to get back to 100% mandatory in the office on the whole in 2021, or is it going to continue to flex? Well, my first view on that is I don't think we should get back to that period. I don't think that all being in the office was even the right thing or sustainable when we were doing that. Um, there is definitely a place for an office. And so, yes, I think that we will, you know, as this calms down, slows down a little bit and or people just get more comfortable with it, that you will have those that transition back in the office. But I, we've, there's just like, shed it over so much about ourselves and about each other as far as it contains to our careers and how we work well. And so, um, you know, one thing that I've noticed that um, I just, when I look at my group of colleagues, when I look at friends, when I look at the team that I manage, you know, there are people that need, like, they need that office interaction. You know, they need to get up, get dressed, leave their home and go through kind of that rigor of, okay, I have somewhere to go. And then there are others that, don't need that at all, you know, and, I, and that's many of the individuals that have chosen to work remotely, you know, even prior to COVID, right? And then you have that hybrid group. You have the group that, oh, I sure would like to be able to get out at least a couple days a week, and then I can still be um, effective and efficient working from home. So I think we'll see more of that. And I think the, um, hopefully what has happened with companies, they've um, kind of started to understand that 
being effective and efficient doesn't mean that I see you every day. It doesn't mean that I can walk by and, and see you physically sitting in your desk. It just gets the output. And so that's what I'm hoping. I've, I've worked for companies um, that, wow, just the thought of people working from home, like, you know, they'd rather you leave the organization than to think about how they can manage to have you work from home because it's that control. And, you know, those companies tend to attract a certain type of, of person and it's not necessarily and usually not the strongest um, the, the strongest professionals because you know once you get to that point you realize you have choices and so I'm hoping especially for those organizations that were very rigid and traditional that they can see that in one in order to remain competitive and be competitive going into kind of you know 2020 and beyond you're going to have to be flexible you're going to have to understand that People have lives outside of work. And if 2020 has taught us nothing else, but it's to prioritize those individuals outside of our offices, you know, higher than we prioritize our work. You know, I'm seeing statistics that um, and, and even anecdotally people telling me that they are moving away from big cities and moving to basically places they'd just like to live. Um, and so I, I think we'll see, you know, we got to the saturation point in uh, the Bay Area where it was almost impossible to recruit engineers anymore uh, because they were either too expensive or too choosy or just non-existent because they were all, uh, you know, actively working. And so we moved to other places like Austin, right? And then that got really saturated with um, jobs and taking up a lot of the talent pool there. And so we moved to places like Dallas and now Dallas is a hotspot for COVID. And so people are moving to the suburbs and to middle America and um, the heartland and Florida and, you know, like uh, remote Florida. Uh, and so I think I think what we're going to find is uh, employers, if they embrace the remote work, have a lot more choice when it comes to really great talent. And I hope that ends up being what the great message is here. I agree. There are so many talented people that are that are displaced right now. They're out there looking for their next opportunity. And why should it be bound based on where they live? And why should we require, you know, them to uproot their homes and their families and move um, for you know a position, especially if it's one that can be done remotely? And so, to your point, Craig, I really hope that that opens up the funnel, and I hope that. Um, you know, fellow recruiters are able to get out there and really expand their pipeline and that they have the buy-in from the senior leadership. You know, certainly relocation will still continue for certain roles, but uh, do you feel like this is going to encourage more project-based work? And, and here's something that I'm really curious about, even in project-based work, uh, say it's a three to six month um, engagement, can companies figure out a way to get uh, these part-time or uh, contract employees benefits during that time? Oh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that this encourages project work and um, a bit more of a collaborative working environment. And I do, I think that there are so many, um, so one of the wonderful things that I've noticed that has that has risen to the surface during, um, you know, while we've been at home and just in the state of COVID is the innovation. And so people are thinking differently. People are thinking about everything differently. So sure, we've been doing this forever, but is this the right way to do it? 
well, COVID taught us that what we've been doing forever, going into the office, you you can't, like you physically can't. And so I think that has um, charged a lot of people to just look at the way in which we're doing things. And there's so much great technology out there. There's so many wonderful partners. You know, I have conversations all the time with different companies creating new platforms and just different ways to help us work better. And so I would hope that there's something out there that's being created or maybe it's already developed that would allow for contract workers, temporary workers to get benefits because we know that that is that it's tough. And so many people have lost their benefits during um, kind of this this state of the emergency that we're in. And so, yeah, I hope technology helps that innovation come along. Yeah, I I think it might be a good time to invest in the uh, PEO sector. Right. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> All right, Rhonda Merchant, this has been a delight as always. Uh, you are full of great insight and uh, we are looking forward to having you at the next Talent Net coming up in November. Uh, and thanks for being on with me today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Craig. Thank you for listening to Inside Talent. Learn more about the future of talent today at InsideTalent.org, where you can sign up for regular updates and you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app.